welcome back to Think Peace. Today we are straying off of our normal heady conversation of deep and mind-numbing solutions to problems that are probably never going to be solved in our lifetime. So instead of thinking about that depressing shit, uh, we decided to go a little bit to a warm and fuzzy place that we call Memory Lane. Gentlemen, we're talking... 1996. Talk- yes, sir. Uh, oh, yeah. I liked your, I liked your, uh, I liked your 1920s radio voice there, Brennan. Or was that what you were going for? <laughs> Nine, the year was oh. 1996. <laughs> 1886. It was uh, got it wrong by a century. It, it was uh, a, <laughs> it was a whole nother century ago, though. We are talking about here, gentlemen. Um, that would be the 20th century. Oh, thank- things were different back then. In, indeed, they were. Indeed, <laughs> they were. Um. So we, we, what we decided to do this time around is uh, talk about our favorite music from the year 1996. We each chose an album, uh, which we'll reveal throughout the podcast. Um, and we're just going to talk about like music from that time period, probably, to give a little bit of context. What else was um, popular and going on besides the three that we chose. And uh, also, perhaps, give you some nuggets of amazing stories from our what high our school experience. Like yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. I, I, I can't imagine that that's not going to be engaging storytelling for oh, that'll be, that'll all be, involved. That'll be scintillating talk. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so without any further ado, uh, let's, let's kick off this 1996 edition of Think Peace Music Edition. Uh, by by Dave telling us uh, about where he was musically in 1996. Oh, so it's funny. I uh, it's not funny, but I'm kind of weird about like years and dates. So a number of years ago, uh, yeah, I know. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Oh, dude, I'm <laughs> glad you're coming. Like, I'm glad you're coming right out with a a like timepiece. Yeah, no, I want to put piece. this in. Go on. Yeah, I want I want to put this in context. So, a uh, number of years ago, I created a playlist for each year, like music year of my life, or well, starting in like the early '90s. So, on my phone, I have a playlist for each year, and then like all the songs that were important to me, or that came out that year that I was listening to, or you know, songs that remind me of that year, or whatever. So, I start. I think I have the first ones in 1993, and then I have it through last year. So. It's funny, the the ninety-three. You were twelve years old doing this. this is awesome. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I did, I did, I did it for the first. So I did it for the first time like six or seven years ago. So I had to like remember what I was doing then. So a lot oh. of it was just memory of of that time. So I had to. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I missed some things, but um, I've kept it current like the last few years. But so I've done every year in between, and oddly enough. The year with the fewest number of songs is 1996, which is very strange. Like 95 was a decent one, 97, 98, 99 were huge. But for whatever reason, 96 only had four songs on it and two of them. And so I, I, yeah. And so I did this, you know, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And two of those four songs were REM songs from New Adventures and Hi Fi. So, yeah, which is strange. So I, Oh, hold on. Would I guess what songs they were? Yeah, please do. Um, Ebo the Letter. 
Yep. And electrolyte. Ooh, I in in hindsight, well, not in hindsight. That's my wow. probably favorite song now. But that year, I was obsessed with uh, the opener, "How the West Was Won," where it got us. Ah, uh, it's fucking yeah. a great song, man. Yeah, it's it a great is. Song. It is. And well, Ebo the letter. Of my guesses, right? I yeah, very good. Ebo the letter for sure. So it was a weird year for me. I had um, I became obsessed with U two like the two or three years before that. Yeah, they hadn't put out any new music by that time. I never, and you guys will talk, I'm sure, about some of your experiences with, like, punk and even uh, hip-hop to some extent. I never really got into that as much. So I was sort of stuck in this weird, like, almost pre-Britpop when I became obsessed with that. Um, so I was still, like, in the U2, R.E.M., Pearl Jam, not really feeling all that current um, in that area. So... Me, there like wasn't the a whole lot of Brit pop on this. Uh, no, no. no there all, all, all three of us looked at the same list. It, it yeah. was of several hundred of the, well, the top it, albums released this year, and there wasn't as much Brit pop as I thought there would be. You, no, you guys I agree? Mean, it was yeah, so, totally. it was sort of a lull time. Uh, you know, two year. two years yeah. before Manchester was enormous. Like Blur was dropping. And um, Oasis, like, wasn't that around right. that time, Dave, 93, 94? Yeah, well, and even in 97, Blur, Oasis, Radiohead, The Verve, they all had awesome albums the year after. But for whatever reason, like, none right. of the bands that I dug came out with anything in 96, which was really, yeah, really strange. So so let me step in so. here and tell, tell you how I chose 96. It wasn't for any, yeah. like, oh, I loved this year in music. Uh, yeah. I was wondering. So I was was like, when is sort of the seminal time of when you start to understand and really get into music? And I think all of us, like, Dave, I was with Dave in that middle school phase where we obsessed over you two and, you know, a couple other Agnes guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all like music. Yeah, no, no, no. But I, I, I think that getting your license, being in a car, and yep. having complete control over that. Like, you could li- sit in your house and listen to a CD player, but there's something about the freedom of having a car for the first time and that, along with music, that sort of, I don't know, fills in all of the other rough space around it. So you're, it's just you and the car and the music, and sometimes your friend's in the car too, but it's, sometimes it's just those three things, and it's a very intimate setting in which you might listen to the same CD 300 times before you take it out of your CD player. And um, it's just, uh, I I don't know. So I I was like, well, when were we starting to get our licenses? And sophomore year, that first semester, so the the second half of freshman year and sophomore year. So it's an awkward part of every teenager's life in in just in general, like a transition period. Um, You're no longer a freshman. You're starting, people are starting to get their licenses. So you have a little bit more freedom in that respect. Uh, but I also think that musically we're all starting to like discover new things or discover our tastes. Um, and which is also cool. I think the fact that we chose three totally different albums, even though I could have, um, easily, I I told Brennan, I said, if you wouldn't have chosen Pinkerton, I would have done Pinkerton. I knew one of you was going, (laughs) but, but I, I clearly, you know, looking through the list, I was really conflicted. So there wasn't a clear cut 
for me uh, when I threw it out there, which is why I was like, you guys choose what you want and then we'll see which way this goes. But for me, uh, again, I, th- I think it's cool to look at a, a time period when like you're really unsure of yourself, but you're getting a new sense of freedom and responsibility not just in the music that you choose, but like with that responsibility of driving the car. And I feel like those two things combined sort of like you can start to take ownership of your likes and dislikes, just like you're taking ownership of other things in your life. And uh, it's not just you're listening to top 40, you're not just listening to what your friends listen to. So I feel like that's a uh, kind of a pivotal time. Um, and it happens for everybody at a different age, but um, yeah, I feel like that was right around the time that f- for me personally, I started to, understand why I liked what I liked. Yeah. So that's why we chose so, 1996, or I chose 1996, rather. No, it was an interesting time. So before you guys, well, I mean, we can do this whenever, but I just went, I wrote some down from that list that, like, weren't my favorite albums, but, like, just Ooh, kind of, yeah. of the bands that yeah. just remind me of that time. So here's what I came up with, and you guys, I don't know, agree or disagree or add. So no effects. Oh, Double yeah. Pilots, Pearl Jam, oh, yeah. Rage, yep. Matthews, yep, yep. Soundgarden, Beck, mm-hmm. Fiona Apple, uh, Sublime, Ooh. and the Smashing Pumpkins. That like that like reeks of '96. Like that list of. <laughs> oh yeah. I've got it. <laughs> yeah. Those were my fucking favorites. Here's yeah. back yeah. then, and honestly, that list. Still kind of holds up, like it's yeah, that, that, most of those stand the test of time, so, right? Like they they think like 1996, but they're absolutely um, very good, and I think that many other years would struggle to um, have a, a list as strong as that. Dave, Dave, I don't know if you go ahead. ahead. No, I think I think that's a great list. Mine, I I had. All Eyes on Me, Tupac, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. score, Fuji's. Then I had Sublime, I had Beck, I had Outcasts, AT Aliens, um, I had Weezer. Oh yeah, I would have. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. Face to one. Face to Face, Goldfinger, um, Jamiroquai, Traveling Without <laughs> Moving. Um, oh yeah. Less than Jake. It reminds me of uh, Schwab. Yeah. Um, Dave <laughs> Matthews was on mine. Rage Against the Machine was on mine. Uh, Nerf Herder. That, that, oh yeah, that, that one because I had a ner- we we I had a nerf herder sticker on my car. It's the only best yeah. sticker I've ever had on any car ever, and it was a nerf herder <laughs> <laughs> with the Good. star, the one with the Star Wars font, Brennan. Yeah, 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 for yeah. Sure. Um, it was, it was but, small. Yeah. But you know, the other thing that I looked at on this is there was a lot of stuff that I got into even after 96, 97, 98. Yeah. So like yeah. Wilco being there, there's two yep. amazing yeah, Bell, right. Bell and Sebastian albums that came out during yeah. that, uh, that mm-hmm. year. So, um, on Avery Island by neutral milk hotel. So like right. there was a shitload of good music in here. And I, I like both of you. I, I was texting Brennan about this yesterday and I was like, I think it's kind of disingenuous for me to say Wilco being there because I didn't even start listening to them until like uh, 99, 2000. So, um, I had the same, the same thought you did is I wanted mm-hmm. to pick one that I actually liked and listened to in that year. Cause yeah, those Bell and Sebastian albums I wore out like in college. Oh yeah. Modest Mouse released a really good one that year, but yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. listen to that stuff in 96. <laughs> So right. as cool right. as we want to sound, we were yeah. not cool. We were just listening to... I was, uh, 
I was listening to late period REM, okay, <laughs> <laughs> or like mid to late period, whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it was 22 years ago. <laughs> whatever, yeah, period it was. It felt back then. It felt like the end of REM's career, didn't it? Well, it, it was the last album with uh, Bill Berry. Yeah. yeah, with their drummer. Right, right. and yeah. and 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 he had, had medical problems, and it mm-hmm. felt to me. When I bought that album, it was like these are a bunch of old men. Like this is yeah. kind of like the the last one of the guys was collapsing on stage. This was obviously <laughs> the last album, and it turns <laughs> out they had only been around for like twelve years. Of that I know. Yeah, like, they, their their debut came out in '83, I think. Firmer. Yeah. So it had been yeah, right. thirteen years, which is not that long. <laughs> yeah, it's not that long enough. But they seem super duper old to me at oh, that point. Uh, totally. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I don't know just funny how uh, you know that uh, I don't know the, the age changes like that oh yeah. yeah absolutely well the other thing that I um, you know that as I was reading through this list is that um, I just thought about how much different it was to consume music back then and I wanted to make sure that we hit on this like all of us um, probably bought CDs probably tapes to start out with I had definitely had a cassette collection before I had a CD collection um, none that I was like super proud of like oh I had that on cassette that was like <laughs> but uh, you know there was some Paula Abdul perhaps I was going to say you're not proud of Janet Jackson or Paula Abdul because I am <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I had both of those but uh, boys to men yeah. Um, yeah. I did have a Boys to Men tape. I did have a Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had some Michael Jackson for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I had Michael Jackson on vinyl. It's, so wow, do we. that's cool. So do we. Yeah, and uh, our, do- very cool. our dog <laughs> put his teeth through a thriller. I thought Sarah was going to cry. I, mm. I love kind of rock and roll, man. He's thinking <laughs> that thriller in Manila. Yeah, yeah. It's very rock and roll. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, the consumption of music, um, has completely changed over the last 22 years. So, you know, I feel, I feel sad for, for some that they will never get the intimate relationship that we had with a place like maybe Phil's Records or, um, some of us went up to, in like later high school, Shake It, um, or, or places like that, or Dave, when we were in college, CD uh, Central. Um, but you know, I bought I bought a lot of CDs at um, Best Buy, but I also probably close to I would say a sixth of my collection came from Columbia House and BMG. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, no. I I scammed those. Th- well, not scammed. I you know I would do one and then I would do the other and then I would do the other and then I would just keep going back and forth and getting my twelve free CDs and buying the one or whatever it was, but. I definitely stocked my the majority of my collection when I was in high school um, through that, man. I got t- so many CDs yeah. through that stuff. So, um, but yeah, kids just don't consume music like that anymore. It's, um, I don't know, I'm not going to get all sappy and say that it's sad, but I, I feel like the... It's al- sad they don't scam BMG anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, well, BMG. Those are the days we just... Scam the fuck out of BMG. <laughs> uh, what? So it, that's not the way to consume music. 
we were the we were we were not scamming anybody. They were getting the better of us. They knew that they knew the deal. But you raised a good question, though. I think it would be interesting to hear your guys like when you thought about it, your these albums in particular that you picked, but also just that time period. Like, how do you remember how you were listening to music? I mean, you mentioned obviously in the car. Yeah. But um, obviously for me, sure. like this album, I think of. I specifically remember that my disc man and even like when I was driving around with my parents, like coming back, I remember coming back from a long cross country meet, um, listening like to my disc man in the back seat. Also had like a shitty, you know, little boom box. Like I would play in my room. So like the, you know, just the one, the one CD, uh, boom box, Ooh. which was terrible. Yeah. I, my parents had like one of those ancient, like five disc changers, which like, was the loudest thing you've ever heard, like when it moved around. <laughs> I play it like Jack a noodle den. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's so funny, like that. But those were in specific places, other than the disc man. Like you were either in your car or your parents' like living room or den or like your bedroom. You sure. know, it wasn't walking around on the street or you know, like we do. Yeah, now but anyway. it's kind of like way more awesome now that everybody can just plug music into their ears from their yeah. phone because everybody has one of those all the time, right? And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There, there's detractors to that, too, but yeah. you don't have to be in a certain spot. And, like, you, if you keep rewinding the tape, you know, before 1985 or whatever we're talking about here, um, yeah. or 96, um, you know, music had to be in other very certain spots, you know? Sure. You, you yeah. get up phonograph or a quartet or you know like it wasn't too long ago it had to be like just played by the people playing yeah. their instruments we, and shit. <laughs> we we went to the symphony last night and it was amazing but yeah she used to have to oh, like no be shit. there to hear it yeah yeah it was great yeah. yeah how many like people were in the symphony uh hundred probably the whole yeah like a hundred yeah yep fucking hey man that's awesome huh? yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's really kind of moving. Yeah. 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 I, just, I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I did go to Raritan's practice earlier. That was a moving experience. Nice. <laughs> well. Did you tell them what you were doing tonight? Were they all jealous that you were going to geek out no. with two turds on the... on on your phone? No, but and... I mean, honestly, band practice is kind of like this, too. We talk about, like what we like and dislike about songs and shit mm. as well. Um, but Ollie was definitely like, oh, is it a bunch of Brit pop? And I was like, surprisingly, no. No, it, it would have been. If it was 97, yeah, I would have. I yeah, he was, he, was, he was disappointed. <laughs> he was disappointed, man. Um, he's a fucking what? huge Oasis fan. He drags it like all Oasis thing. Yeah, they well, no, they didn't release an album that year. <laughs> no, I know. Somehow. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. We have plenty of time to cover '97, Dave. Not today, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, do we want to get into one of these uh, one of these albums, and then maybe uh, maybe we could talk about if you owned the album, uh, how you got it, and how you remember listening to it. We can we can put that stuff in with the uh, why you chose it uh, if you so choose. Sure. So start us off, Dave. New Adventures in Hi-Fi, R-E-M. What about it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I'm almost certain I would have gotten this at Phil's Records. 
probably. Nice, nice. Because I started going there in 95. I need to. So, we're talking buttermilk. I think I bought that place. But yeah. Buttermilk Pike location, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that old, yeah. But I don't even know what's there now, but yeah. Um, so, I had been, I mean, I guess I'd been an REM fan for a few years. I got Monster when it came out, I think in 94, pretty close to it, which that was a kind of also a weird, very electric guitar album that I liked. Um, and I'd gone back and listened to most of their older stuff. So I was going to get like the new REM album. And I don't know, it was a weird, probably confluence of where I was at in my life. And that album, I don't know. I was, for me, like that, that was probably the 96. So kind of the end of freshman year, beginning of sophomore year was probably like the most uncomfortable period of my life. I would say like where I just, like that weird transition yeah. out of like being a kid, kid or, you know, whatever you're, you're at Agnes all time and here's sure. your group of friends and like nothing changes. But then like in high school, you actually, you know, I don't know, all that stuff sort of gets thrown up in the air and you don't necessarily hang out with the same people and some people grow up more quickly than others. And I just, I don't know, it just was a weird, awkward time for me. And then that album was just, it's strange. The songs are not really even REM like, but there's just something about like, even the the cover of it is like black and white. And it just, I don't know. It feels very, um, I mean, some of the songs are amazingly beautiful, but a lot of it is just weird and strange. And I don't know, for some reason it just like haunted me. And I think the thing that grabbed me first was Ebo the letter, which Brian talked about before, but that was the first single, which was a weird, it's a weird song to hear on the radio. But yeah. back then, like every, you know, there were two or three stations that would play whatever single what R.M. put out. So I remember hearing that song on the way to work, or I mean, on the way to school. I remember, uh, remember, uh, Balskis used to play songs on the radio or on his stereo in yeah. his room. Did he play that? I, I specifically remember one morning he was blaring that one, and it just. It's one of the things we already like the song, but like when you hear it in a unique, different setting, it's yeah. just like you will never, you will never ever forget that. And uh, it just sucked me in. I listened to the album all the time. Um, I remember it's so weird, but I remember like not going. I think it was like because this album came out in September of '96, and I remember mm-hmm. not going to the Halloween dance that year which, you know, so six weeks after it came out, and I specifically remember like, sitting at my parents' house, like, just listening to that album over and over, just, but like, not depressed in any way, but just that weird, you know, just, like, hormone raging. Depressed, and, eh? kind of no, 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 that's why. Jason and I were drunk what? on vodka. Yeah, so, but no, it's like, <laughs> you guys, uh, it, was, it was a weird time. It was six o'clock talk. No, you guys started like we were puking in know. Tyler Mags's basement. Yeah, you, you guys were like, let's just say, like running with a little bit of a different crowd and doing things I wasn't doing. Which hey, that's how it works. But I just Damn. felt like the, the, yeah. the next night we got drunk on cheap beer together. Yeah, I yeah, I'll show you. Like <laughs> we were like, kind yeah. of doing the same thing. So it's not, not that for nice. like not for not for like a year though. Honestly, it was for me like it was ninety six and ninety seven. I I don't know. And we'll talk about it later with your albums because I remember being in different places hearing <laughs> that music. But 
I wasn't, I don't know. And again, I wasn't depressed or anything. It was just, I specifically remember this album playing these songs, just sort of like trying to figure out high school, you know, like who am I really friends with? It was weird. I don't know. And it just stands out. Um, I feel like the, the, the title um, is so perfect for this album because like you were saying, Monster is a departure from everything that most people had come to love about R.E.M. Um, you knew what to yeah. expect. Their albums, they weren't formulaic in any way. You were always getting something else, but the, the types of guitar, I mean, R.E.M. Uh, didn't use much distortion up until Monster. Not you at didn't all. didn't hear, no. you know, you, <clears throat> you, you knew you would get these sort of fast-paced, but always sort of even tempo. You didn't get mood changes in songs. You weren't getting um, the, the songs on Monster and then on uh, New Adventures and Hi-Fi. They, they were that. They were New Adventures. Like, they were experimenting yeah. in, in places that they hadn't before. It sounds like Dave was going through New Adventures in high school as well. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I, yeah, I did not necessarily make that connection with the title, but no, you're right. And, uh, yeah, it was just... Um, um, sort of haunting songs, even like the How the West Was Won, the first song, just such a strange, I don't know. I have no idea. Piano and bass songs are about. No, exactly. I, I have, have no, I have I listen zero to this connection. Album that. And I love this album. I loved it back then, too. I, I, I have a lot of memories about it back then, too, but I really don't know what their songs are about at all, usually. They have no. a haunting... Yeah, how the West was won sounds vaguely <laughs> Western. Yeah, exactly. Like um, exactly, but they're haunting and and beautiful. Yeah, and even like you mentioned Electra like before, like to this day. I mean, I play that song all the time. It is so good, um, and it's the it's the fourteenth track on this album. Like, you know, it's put a on this amazing song at the end. It is. It is. And I will say, like. There's probably three or four songs that I it just aren't very good and I don't really listen to. But man, eight or nine of the songs are just, just still to me like stand up. I mean they they're really good. But it it takes me right back into that time period of just sort of confusion and growing up and you know I don't know it's kind of a for me it's a that's a perfect album to represent 1996. It's a good one. It's an an awesome pick. Fucking man, man. They yeah, did. They, yeah. they they still had some some vintage REM feel on a couple. Like I think Bittersweet Me. Um, so it it, it kind of has that that older REM sound to it. Um, well, and, but for the most part, it, and there's still like there's still some catchy melodies on some of the sure. songs. Like that, they're just like their instinct for writing catchy songs is still there. But yeah, some of the instrumentation, the weird guitar fuzz, and they still have some of the straight up just electric guitars that they had on monster and some other weird ethereal shit that you know wasn't wasn't the norm for them i i also no, i do like i do like that fuzz out guitar that you hear both on monster and yeah and this one um yeah. that stuff i think is, is super cool man I, <clears throat> I i like to push that in the music we try to make but it's i don't know it's tough. It's a great, it's a great album. Great album. 
All right. Well, I, I will add one little other tidbit when I was looking into this, partially because I've been listening to that Adam or the Scott and Scott show, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. Oh, and, yeah. And they're now talking about REM <laughs> albums. It's a great, great yeah. podcast. Are you talking REM? Oh, I don't listen to this. Oh, yeah. It's great. So they're, oh, on, you gotta do it. they're on the second album right now. And uh, they're on Murmur. Scott? Scott? Yeah. It's, it's, I, I can't remember what the name of the. Well, what are we trying to do here? Talk about REM albums. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. We're we have we have no business. Are, are you talking REM re me <laughs> re me? <laughs> then I, I'll I'll just I'll splice in their intro music here, and then we can say, are we doing an episode about? So no, they they're good, Brennan. You should check it out. But anyway, they've only done the first two albums, so they're nowhere near this. Um, what I was saying though is is that they really dig in deep on on a lot of stuff. And one of the things that they talked about was how, um, you know, they didn't used to put which side of their album you were supposed to play first. It wasn't like side one or side two, side A, side B. It would always, so on this one, it was high and five. Who didn't? R.E.M.? R.E.M. R.E.M., yeah. Yeah, so I actually bought, I got some of their early records and I noticed that when I bought them, like it does not tell you what side's first. <laughs> It'll be like flora and fauna or like, you know, you just Random have, yeah. words. Uh. Um, so anyway, on this one, um, the f- it was two because it was so long. It was uh, it was two albums or two records, and the the first six songs. I, I definitely can like going through it. The first six definitely have a different feel than the next eight, um, and, and not to say that they're completely disjointed, but the, the first six have. I don't know. I think that more sparse feeling to them. Um, and and then it starts to pick up the tempo on those last eight. I'm not to say that there isn't also like slower songs on the last eight, but, um, I just thought it was interesting because I'd always consumed it as one 14 song CD (laughs) and, uh, not ever as, you know, as the vinyl, like this side, then this side, this side, then this side, uh, it's like four sides, um. And then when the when the record changes altogether, the the mood does a little bit too. So I thought it was cool uh, to look at that. And then when I went back and listened to it, I have that in mind. But it was a good listen back. Do you guys know where some of these? You know where some of these songs were recorded? Um, I hope you say where the Raritans practice. In Denver? I don't know. No, no, no. The the REM songs that they were in the big arenas that that they were um, playing in that night for the monster oh. tour. Oh, so they, they, really? They recorded oh. most of these songs during sound checks. Yeah, I read a little bit about mm-hmm. them. So Interesting. So during the monster tour, they wrote all these songs, um, and then they, they recorded them during sound checks. So it's, the, the studio is like these big fucking arenas all over the country. The weird. Yeah. The the U.S. Uh, bank and oil and gun factory uh, <laughs> arena. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go the next night. They go to Cleveland. And it's the the, yeah. the gun and oil and quick and factory. quick and loan. Yeah, yeah that's the, the, uh, great the that fucks quick, you for life arena. Quick, yeah. quick, <laughs> quick and loans sound like the biggest fucking scam in the world. <laughs> hey, hey, spoiler alert. Hey, <laughs> uh, but when I when I look for a loan, I want the quickness. 
quick in, yeah, yeah. Not responsible. The quickest one uh, is the uh, fastest one. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So anyway, the, but they did them in um, big ass arenas in you know Atlanta and uh, Memphis and all over the the, the period huh. of Memphis. They recorded uh, a couple that's of these funny. songs. But they did it during sound checks and just put it straight through the board and pressed record. So, I did not know that. That would explain the yeah. like hollowness of the sound, like an empty arena that mm. the sparseness to yeah. some of the the uh, bigger, well, the ones that aren't as as yeah, exactly. mixed up with with yeah. distorted yeah. guitars and stuff like that. So, well, that's cool, man. Good factoid. Yeah. God damn, Very you good. guys are fucking smart. I'm glad I do this podcast with you all. Can can you edit out the parts where I was I forgot what I was talking about? No, man. Fuck. No, it's part of no. it. All right, fine, fine. Keep moving. Keep moving. Um. All right. Well, Brennan, then let's uh, let's. You want to go next? Or you want me to go next? Um. No, man. I'll go next. Let's Pinkerton, Weezer's Pinkerton. Man, here's the album. Right? It clocks in at. 34 minutes in change, and it uses every one of those minutes on some uh, real deal, real feel, Rivers Como emotion, and (laughs) it hit me right in the, like, heart wiener. Um, when I was 15 years old and um, it was the absolute nexus of Weezerdom for for me and any other rational normal being it really should have been Um, and it was fucking great man and Weezer was uh, a great pop sensation and then like the first emo sensation with Pinkerton and then they went the way of uh, of something after that to Pinkerton (laughs) man (laughs) the way of something (laughs) so that so the Jason, you like Pinkerton? Oh, dude! I, I mean, I, again, um, I, we were, we were all Monkey Box and all of Monkey Box's groupies were all obsessed with Weezer and with Face to Face and with, um, I don't know, um, up, upbeat, nonsensical kind of stuff. This is the first time, um, you know, I can't Face to Face and most of those those pop punk bands that we listened to were. A lot of them were teenage angsty stuff, but uh, Weezer's first album was so. I mean, it was poppy. It was it was about high school problem shit. Like I'm kind of a dork and I can't get girls, and I'd rather be in my garage or I'm gonna try to go to this party, but I'm not very cool and I'm gonna sit in the corner. But it was still a beat, a beat enough that it it drowned out all the sad shit um, and like the emotion in it really. Um, and then he just basically put his heart on the, on the CD for us all to see and feel. And it was, uh, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. But again, they, he, it's a weird juxtaposition because they're all upbeat songs. <laughs> so like musically, um, and I'm not, I don't know much about like keys in which things are written 
Um, but neither do I. It hinders me as a songwriter too, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> shitty for my band mostly. But <laughs> the drums are always in the same key, aren't they? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, not really even. Uh, and I certainly fuck up that key from time to time too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know. Um, you don't need to know what key exactly. Right, right. So, uh, well, I'll get back to you. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. When it came out, I was obsessed with it. And I was like, Dave, like, almost every song on this album spoke to me on a personal level. Um, like, it, it not not the Japanese aspects of it so much. Um, you know, I... I was tired of sex. I was tired of sex thing. When I was 15, I was not tired of like, sex. Like, done. Done yeah. with him. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I couldn't actually make <laughs> to a personal level. It was track one. Nor, nor could any of us. Um, we, nor could any but, of us. But I, 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 I dreamt of a day I would be tired of sex. So. <laughs> uh. um, I, I, just, I just more mean like the lovelorn loser who can't figure women out, has no idea when it comes to women whatsoever. Because that's basically the point of view he's writing from that's, every song on this Yeah, album. for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that is something that, uh, you know, the unrequited love, of course, you, as you know, as high school dudes, I feel like we all felt that. It is a lot of about not fitting in exactly and um, that unrequited love, um, and just a lot of raw emotion, like like you guys said, yeah, it, and it did speak to me in a cool way back then when we were we were all 15 years old. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's regrettable that uh, Weezer took a break after after that and and came back. It didn't seem like they had really grown up. Yeah, a whole lot, and you know, we we all did, and uh, it, it, uh, a lot a lot of their other music didn't live up to the musical or emotional level that I think Pinkerton reached. Um, it was a it's a cool era in uh, kind of real pop rock because uh, it's definitely pop, but it's definitely rock and, and a lot of other things too um so it, it, it was cool but uh Weezer's a weird band man it's not like REM REM continued to do good things and I continued to respect them but I, I honestly unfortunately I loved Weezer back then and couldn't continue to um I don't know like their music a whole lot or mm-hmm. respect them as uh I guess artists. Um, they're they're good musicians. They can play their music, their their instruments. But uh, but it it was tough because I really really did love love them and a lot of their more recent music just hasn't lived up to it at all. Oh, it blows. <laughs> yeah, it fucking blows. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's shitty. I I I don't I don't get it. I guess I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head. Where'd you buy Pinkerton? Where'd you buy Pinkerton though? Do you remember? Uh, I'm almost sure I got it as Bill's record. Um, I 
hadn't thought about it before. You guys mentioned it a few minutes ago. Um, I think I bought it at Souls Records, though. Um, I'm pretty sure I got mine at Media Play. Uh, yeah, I think I got it at Media yeah. Play. I remember. I remember. Media Play is a weird name for a store. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Right. It was. <laughs> we didn't think it was weird then for some reason. <laughs> I I was a late comer. I didn't. To, I, I was a late comer to Best Buy. I was like I was. I have no idea why. Like. My grandma, I was media play all the way. My grandma always then. got me media play gift cards or something. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I I definitely I remember, um, I remember going to media play and getting uh and getting Pinkerton and being it was probably around Halloween. I I got it a little bit late. I had already heard it, but um yeah, I think I got it there. Uh, like ninety. Uh, you guys, you guys want to hear straight. a uh, a confession? I have. I don't. Yes. Told this to a whole lot of people. <laughs> it, it involves Weezer. <laughs> oh boy! And it was at Bogart while Weezer was uh, rocking their stuff. They played, I think it might have been the last song. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but it was uh, Butterfly, which is the last song <laughs> on Pinkerton. And uh, Pinkerton is a bit of an ode. To Madame Butterfly, the uh, the opera, opera, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and so the entire album is incredibly transparent lyrically, um, and Butterfly is a song that tries to go a step further, and it tries to go into the um, realm of one paper thin layer of symbolism, I think. And, uh, <laughs> and, and this, <laughs> this, this is the awesome height of Weezer. I'm serious on that part. Um, and, uh, and so, so they do. And it's, uh, it's a it's a lovely tune. You did something at Bogart's <laughs> while Weezer was playing this song. <laughs> You just, oh, you just oh, bogarted that oh, just, Yes, I, I remember. I remember. Hold on. <laughs> Fucking edit this out. If anybody's going to hear this. I, I have a confession to make. I'm back. <laughs> when it says, I'm a dog and you're a bitch, I like screamed bitch. And if nobody else did. And everybody turned around and looked at me, and I was like, ah. Oh. Uh, Rivers got me. No. I was just with a, I don't know, a 15-year-old. But, yeah, he kind of got me, I guess. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's amazing. I, I guess the whole, uh, I guess the whole, album was supposed to be written from the point of view of the sailor and Madam Madam Butterfly. Madam Butterfly, yeah. Um, and so, like, it's his, he's just like this, I don't know, I've, I've never seen it, uh, or read it, or heard it. Well, they were they were going to do a concept album um, based on Madam, Madam Butterfly, and that, that kind of... Uh, Did you read the same wiki encyclopedia that I read about this? Um, I might have read some media, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that interesting uh, too. The 
I, I was wondering where all the Japanese references came from. I just figured he hooked up with an Asian chick at Harvard and was like, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's probably really what happened. So, but they were, they were also big in, uh, Japan and Asia from the blue album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did as know that. well. And so that, that, that was huge over there too. So, um, that, that all came into it and, and it, him going to depressed school at Harvard. Um, I don't know. Somehow this all spoke to me. Well, it was uh, it was a pretty kick-ass album, man. Um, yeah, no, I I was not like a huge. I mean, I liked Weezer. The Blue album was like I thought it was good, but like I didn't listen to it on my own. But I was one of those annoying people. I think probably shortly after it came out, that was like, oh, I like this one better than the Blue album. Um, and it absolutely reminds me of being in Joe Wen's basement and band practice <laughs> and blaring this album nonstop <laughs> all the time, like between songs. Like that, that, when I hear the word Pinkerton, that's what I think of. Like Joe thing. Wen's basement. Yep, absolutely. So, man, that's fucking awesome, man. Because uh, yeah, band practice. I was there and. That band, we would play a lot of times for our band practice. We would play the Blue Album straight through. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that album actually meant a shitload to me uh, in, in a lot of ways, even though it was even kind of dumber and kitschier. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but we, we really would. We, would. we would play that album straight through for band practice and get up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. There's worse albums to play start to finish for sure yep um oh uh, yeah the, yeah i was always the, 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 there might not be too many better ones that was that was good times man That's, i'm glad you uh think of those times for those times oh yeah and i remember you guys playing uh el scorcho um it was such a such a weird song but it always sounded pretty cool yeah that was a fun one. I was always uh, very jealous that I was not musically inclined whatsoever. My pick, I went hip hop on you all. Um, yeah. I've always been a non closeted hip hop fan. Um, Ooh, la, la, la. Man, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you right now, you know, I was first, I can't remember which of the. Columbia House or BMG had the better hip. One of them had an awesome hip hop selection. And I was like, I'm gonna join. I bet this. it was Columbia House. And I, I was like, I'm gonna join this again just so I can buy twelve hip hop records. And um, <laughs> so I got like, you know, I got some Tupac and uh, I got the Chronic and I got Doggy Style and I got uh, Reg- uh, G Funk Era and I got, you know, oh. I stocked up. Oh, eyes on me. Um, Illmatic. Um, and so I, I stocked up and I got all that stuff. And uh, I knew about the Fugees, um, but everybody was was sort of acted like they were posers. They're like they're a rap group, and they're like, um, like they're they're one girls. They're they're singers basically to, that are trying to rap is the way that people sort of tried to sell them um at first and so I didn't know if I'd like it and then um when they when the score came out it was amazing 
So, first off, Lauren Hill's voice is unbelievable when she sings. Um, yeah. For for me, her version of "Killing Me Softly," even especially if you would take out Wyclef going one time, uh, is <laughs> or two times. Two times. It's really unfortunate. Um, it would be yeah, it, it, it is a really <laughs> amazing version yeah. of that song. Um, but she totally just agree. she just belts it out. But she fucking raps like a maniac on there too. Um, uh, there's a song uh, "Zealots" on there. And after she gets done dropping, like, I don't know, a minute and a half of knowledge, she just goes, and I'll add a motherfucker in there so you ignorant hear me. And it's just like, damn, girl. She just, she goes a minute and a half without cussing, and then she's like, and all of you that weren't paying attention, fuck you. Um, it's She was, like, giving us a hint of the trouble time to come right down there. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's... Uh, the whole group I mean they all um, it, lyrically it's a it's a really good album um, there's hardly a track I would skip on there um, yeah they cover some Bob Marley on there uh, they cover Killing right. Me Softly uh, but then the you know Fuji La 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 and then uh, um, like I said Zealots is, is probably my favorite song on that album um, just Ready or not, I mean, it's hit after hit. And uh, I remember <coughs> already having used my 12 selections um, and wanting that album. Um, so mm-hmm. I went out, and that was one of the first hip-hop albums that I bought, like, at a store. Um, first rap albums, hip-hop albums that I went out and bought at a store. Uh, unless, Did it make you feel cool? Unless Sir Mix-A-Lot counts. Um, I'm not going to count. <laughs> totally does. Why would that not count? Why would that not count? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it did. It made me feel cool only in the sense that, um, I think I was the only person at media play looking for Fuji's the score in, uh, <laughs> in like, I, I don't know, like late 1996, even though it came out in February, I didn't get it till much later, like probably November, December around Christmas. But I do remember um, that Christmas break, listening to it in Rhett Framby's basement uh, many, many, many times. So um, that was right after he moved to Villa Hills, I think. And uh, yeah, I do remember. What, what was he passed out and not listening to Joshua Cherry era YouTube? Oh, I don't know. He was trying. <laughs> we probably had some girls what there. Are you, what are you trying, trying to, to make out with? I don't know. We had probably snuck some girls in in those windows or something down in the back. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to name names. That would be rude. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but no, that I I don't know. It was just it it was a cool album because like. My mom's biggest thing with hip hop, she's like, "Oh, you can't even hear what they're saying, and they just cuss and this and that." And then I'm like, "Listen to this," and she would listen to Lauren Hill, and she's like, "That that woman's got a pretty big voice." And then she'd throw mm-hmm. a mother- motherfucker in there, and then my mom would be, "Turn this, turn this off." No. So. Oh so. God would not approve. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, be- oh man. Beyond beyond he that, it was. He didn't- 
He didn't speak English, but he is a big stickler on it these days. <laughs> well, I, 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 I will say that it holds up to like I, I listened to all the ones that uh, that you all picked, as well as a couple that I was thinking about picking. And this was like the third, a third one I listened to. Uh, my other hip hop choice that I was thinking about was Outkast. Um, that one reminds me, Colehep had like the, he had to he had to take like a sharpie and, you know, there's like a naked woman on the CD and like an alien yeah, woman yeah. getting abducted by aliens and he had to draw like a bra and panties on her so his mom wouldn't freak out because it was like a woman in the buff. Even though it was a cartoon yeah, getting sucked up by an alien or something. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, alien tits are offensive for religious people. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. It's in the Bible. It's in For the all Bible people. somewhere. <laughs> Thou shalt not covet alien tits. Rest eyes upon and covet alien tits. <laughs> uh, it couldn't be clearer. So, uh, uh, what do you guys, yeah. the Fuji's, the yeah. score, were you into it uh, then, yeah. later, at all? It, it's funny when you, uh, when I saw your text that that was the one you picked, I went and listened to it. And, <laughs> It's, I remember it being incredibly popular. Like that, the, even the album cover. I remember seeing that uh-huh. everywhere, mm-hmm. and certainly like I, I remember listening to it. But I don't really remember where. I, I remember hearing some of the songs on the radio, but I didn't feel. I never felt like a strong connection with it, other than "Killing Me Softly." It was amazing that version to this day. I think it's incredible, and I loved. I loved Lauren Hill's uh, first solo album. Like I was obsessed with that. Yeah. The um, Miseducation. Three. Yeah. Three years later, whenever that was, two or three years later. Mm-hmm. But Me for too. some reason, the Fuji's. Even listen to it, I liked it. I just like I don't feel. Sure. I don't have any like strong memories for whatever reason. I don't know. And I think I was just like not. Probably in, in high school, I just wasn't as open to that kind of music you know, for whatever reason but, yeah and um, I think it's perhaps for the same reason that I'm still not that into hip hop um, and this is this is a this is one of my absolute favorite hip hop albums um, but for some reason uh, it still doesn't hit as hard as a lot of um, other genres for me, um, yeah. and, and so I, I'm with you, Dave. I, I don't. This doesn't uh, bring back distinct memories for me, like a couple of the other ones do, and then and both REM and, and Weezer did. Um, and, and and even like you said, actually, uh, Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, uh, does. This one didn't for me, but I, I I listened to it again today, and it is, it is really solid, man. This is a, a cool um, kind of very jazzy uh, um, kind of um, self-aware hip-hop album at yeah. that time, and it's cool. Um, and it hits on some uh, political things and some lighthearted things, and uh, and, and, and does, does a lot does a lot of good stuff. Without being all uh, bitches and money, like a lot of hip hop was then and now. Well, yeah. 
and that that's what I find myself more gravitating towards now is uh, socially conscious hip hop, uh, uh, Black Thought from the Roots, or um, you know, most deaf and Taleb Kweli. I could listen to This Is Black Star like a hundred times back to back, and it's just really good, smart stuff. Um, poetry with a beat to it, uh, but but like socially conscious poetry. Um, I, I think that the other thing that I'll say about this is that uh, in terms of like being into hip hop in high school is that I got into it because it was different. It was raw. It was edgy. They were saying things that I knew that my parents wouldn't approve of or that most decent human beings wouldn't approve of. And, uh, (laughs) but I will say that as time went on, you know, there, there's a time and a place for like fun. Um, but, it got to be a point where the the saturation of just rapping about what what you have, um, it, it just got so tiresome. Like, so I have zero tolerance for that type of stuff anymore. And almost everything that I listen to in terms of hip hop uh, has has to have has to be good lyrically. And Dave and I have had this conversation about lyrics and music a million times about how I'm a lyric guy. And uh, yeah, I wasn't. I'm, I'm a music guy. Huh. I'm a music melody guy, uh, melody all the way. Uh. And um, yeah, so so for me that was the uh, that was the allure to this album too, is because I felt like it it you know the three of them uh, they all had something to say and something something different to say, a different perspective to write from, um, but all really really good stuff. I also tend. No, I- oh, go ahead. No, go finish your I, I was gonna say I, I was glad that Brennan backed up or uh, brought up the uh, like the backing tracks and what. That's the other thing is that you know Tribe Called Quest, Diggable Planets, um, those types of jazzy infused rap uh, were really what got me away from um, Biggie and Tupac and um, that's like wanting to listen to that type of hip hop when I did all the time, like just knowing that something else was out there that sounded more like music that I wanted to listen to, but said also what I wanted to hear from, you know, it wasn't saying the same thing as rock music, um, or it was saying it in a different way. And, uh, that's what, that's what drew me to it. And I think that this album does, does both those things. It's got something to say and it's got, it's got a cool, uh, the music that goes with it is, is awesome. So. No, I you know, one thing. Go ahead, Brennan. I was the worst at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, one one thing that I thought that when I listened to all three of these albums today was that uh, like Weezer's is very literal, and um, I think that Fuji's is, is, is pretty literal, and then REM is like really abstract. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> no, really. No. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so much more abstract, and I I don't know what's better. Um, no. it's, it's one of like like the central questions, maybe, um, is like abstract better. I I've also listened to uh, Odile today. Jason, yeah. I mentioned you might want to. Uh, yeah, yeah to I was, I was well. really close, and, but I, and then, dude, dude, that, that's an album I'm really familiar with too. 
Yeah. My issue with that one is is I I was into it a lot more. I bought it in probably ninety seven or ninety eight, and then I was really into it in college. Um, yeah. So more so than I was at the time. So for me, with the exception of where it's at, which I loved the video for, and I knew every word to that song, um, like I did for Loser, um, and I thought both those uh, those videos were really cool. And that was that was another thing I was going to bring up, but I'm going to let Dave. Uh, Dave, you, you had a point that you were going to make. Go no, I, in fact, Brendan sort of brought it up, but it was sort of, I was thinking about why I rap has never like totally drawn me in. And I think it's, um, I obviously love music and melody above, above all. So I think I've come to appreciate lyrics more in the last five years, but I, it's still to me like very secondary because what really moves me is, is the music and melody but um, I think in terms of, in some ways, the fact that like REM lyrics are inscrutable or sometimes I don't really even hear what people are saying, that's what I want from music a lot of times is mm -hmm. to like transport me or not make me think about like, it is that oh, here's, this, here's this real issue that I'm rapping about or even singing about that will make you think about it rationally and deal with it or address it, which I completely understand the place for that, and it's a powerful thing. But that is almost never what I want out of music <laughs> or art. Yeah, I want to like you want to go the other a, way, a sonic or visual picture that, and, and let my brain like do weird things. And, yeah, it yeah it, it asks something of the viewer or the listener in yeah. order to I, uh, I intera don't interact with it. I don't want them to tell me the answer or even like take me really far down a path that makes the answer obvious. Like just like set me off on something and I'll, you know, and I think that's probably why fucking man, man. That's probably why like, like it's pleasing to me to hear REM albums like new adventures where it's this weird, beautiful music with, I don't, and I'm not distracted by the lyrics at all, which sounds weird, but I think that's, that's what appeals to me, you know? I think I'm I'm a very moody listener when it comes to that stuff. So like, you know, I like Brennan was talking about earlier. I've got earbuds in in any time I walk my dog, or you know, the, I know that's gonna be twenty twenty five minutes. So sometimes I'll have on hip hop. You know, the more like if I'm fuming about some political shit, that's what I want to hear because I'm like. Some people, I've been going down those rabbit holes a lot lately. Some, well, but they, but that, oh, that's when that's when you can listen to some some Rage Against the Machine or some, uh, you know, politically based hip hop, and then you know you maybe feel better after twenty or twenty five minutes and listening to that shit. Um, but you know, on the flip side, um, I also like to be you know I'm not always all lyrics and, um, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time, Pavement. I mean, th their lyrics are so bonkers sometimes that I'm just like, <laughs> I just, no. but they write awesome melodies, um, it, good stuff. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I was singing um, Malcolm's uh, "The Hook," the song about uh, becoming a pirate. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was singing that to Charlie last night uh, because I like came on like kind of know the words. He was wearing pirate pajamas. 
And he fucking loved it, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Dad of the year. He got a, he got, yeah, he got a bit. At age 19, I was kidnapped by Turkish pirates. Yeah. <laughs> Mediterranean thugs. So, uh, I went on. No, 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 no. You know, and actually, Malcolm is, he's got some awesome. Bad rock. His, well, his storytelling stuff, like Hopscotch Willie, that song. Um, yeah. Uh, like, his storytelling songs are really good. But then there's songs like Carrot Rope that you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, Carrot Rope's fucking awesome. Yeah, Carrot Rope's a great song, <laughs> but I have no idea what's going on in it. Like, yeah, lyrically. I love that song. Um, so. But Dave, back to back to the point. I was just, um, it, it, just like Brennan's talking about. Like Charlie can't make out the words to that song, but he likes something about it. Maybe it's the faces that Brennan's make when he's doing it. Maybe it's the like rhythm of the song. Maybe it's the whatever. But the cool thing is that if you're it, like I, my the music I'm listening to definitely matches my mood, and I'm just as much in the ship where. I want to, you know, escape and, and sail off somewhere else as I am. Like I wanna want this to make me think. Um and I feel like I'm I'm sort of more fifty fifty on that. Um whereas you were like, I hardly ever want to be in that other place. I feel like I'm more fifty fifty on that and it really sort of matches my mood whether I'm like escaping or getting into it. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, because... I do, obviously, there's a part of me that wants that experience, but I, I think I seek it out more in, like, uh, magazine articles or documentaries or sure. some sort of nonfiction as opposed to music. And I, I don't know why that is, but just music to me is associated with something else. Right on, man. Well, there's no right or wrong. No, so. man. Hey, absolutely not. Um. Well, I think I'm pretty much right, and you guys are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what were uh, what were some of your guys' seconds on this list? I I just or anything else that we t- we talked a little about about like songs or um, I can't help thinking of it, Dave Matthews Band was almost what I talked about just because I just remember it being all around. It was yeah, a huge part of all of our lives. <laughs> um, also, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, for man. sure. Like, Evil yeah, Empire. Man. Go ahead. Rage for me, for sure. Rage for me. Um, that album, um, I listened to a whole lot. That was great. I'll tell you, I listened to some Goldfinger in 1996. <laughs> yeah. Not a great band, not a proud moment, but. Totally rocked that. Her eyes were hazel. Her name was Mabel. Right. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, that face to face self titled album I listened to again in its entirety today, and I was like, I might listen to this again next week. It's really not that bad. <laughs> I really enjoyed the uh, the listen. Um, Dave's like scratching his head. He's like, "You guys were so no." Shit. no. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. I- the the other thing I wanted to bring up about this is that this is also the time when we started to go see shows at Bogarts or you know Brennan alluded to to seeing Weezer at Bogarts but um, that was the other thing that the car enabled um, is we started to go to a lot more of those shows and uh, the first one I went to we were still freshmen but did either of you guys I don't think I can't remember if either of you guys were there but we went and saw Violent Femmes 
at Bogarts. It I was did not. Freshman I did year. not go. No. It's like I was not. I was not part of that. I didn't like them, and uh, I still really don't. But and I didn't. But uh, yeah, didn't Katie Hayward make out with the most people back then? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, Buzz maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Woods maybe. I, yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah, Woods probably made out with his girlfriend, and then made out with Katie, and then made out with his girlfriend again at the time. So yeah, that I was the uh, story. But yeah, we uh, um, we saw face to face open for Reverend Horton Heat that year. Um, that was a fun ass show. Uh, that was that was really good. I, a lot of these when I was going through this, there was a lot of memories tied to to Bogarts. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I remember them playing Sublime. Bogarts is a cool place, man. Yeah, it was. Smoke-filled, dirty, proper rock venue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can... Yeah, almost every punk band we probably saw up there, at least at one point during high school. Uh, Weezer, for sure. Saw the Flaming Lips there in high school. Maybe none of these other ones, but... And uh, yeah, Mbop came out this year too. I know we didn't talk about that, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. surely none of us can forget that earworm of a shit. Song. No. <laughs> um, okay, so last thing I wanted to do was lovely album. If you had to pick <laughs> one off the list from today as your not not for that time period, but just your favorite album that came out that year, um, I think you both know what mine would be. Uh, Wilco being there, but uh, what what would you all what would you all choose as as the one? I know you probably don't have the list still up in front of you, but um, I don't. I'm not prepared for this question. Well, um, fuck you. Look it up. Wow. Um, Wilco, Wilco. I definitely listened to them a lot more, and and like you said, man, it was um, difficult to separate for me anyway separate what i was into then versus what i was into yeah. uh in the years later which th- there were a, a lot of really good albums there yeah no doubt yeah for me i think i mean rems that would be probably still the winner but close i think the other two for me would be uh no code by pearl jam which was again one of their like weird albums that mm-hmm. I really really like has actually stood up fairly well and then I think the, actually both Bell Sebastian albums actually yeah, Tiger Milk and If You're Feeling Sinister are both really really good yeah um so I don't know and Odalay too I mean that maybe not as Odalay. much as recently but that that for like 10 years like uh, that album really really uh stood up well I listen to that a lot. So, I don't know. Good question. Kid Rock, uh, early morning. <laughs> <still>. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was one that I was really into. Damn, I thought you were um, going to go with Metallica here. Load. There's one here called Anal, Anal Cunt. <laughs> um, 40 More Reasons to Hate Us was their album, and that, I was really into that. Uh, I'm just, uh, I did find the fucking... Wikipedia page you wanted me to look at. Um, I wanted also to point you in the direction of Fastball. Um, Make Your Mama Proud was one of their... Hey, they, had a, they, had a hit. Uh, they had a hit on that, didn't they? 
Um, fastball, they had a. They, I think they totally the had, way, a, uh, had a top forty hit. That was semi-sonic. Oh, I think fastball was the way. Yeah, maybe so. I'm yep. not sure. I'm gonna name a couple uh, other bad ones. You, Dan Matthews Band, you're in the Nickelback is on here. Curb. Did you guys uh, notice um, that? Uh, Prince released like four albums in 1996. I, I did, and I, I actually went and I and I like looked at what was on there. I didn't know any of. I knew like no. one. I had heard of one song out of the four albums. I was like, yeah, yeah. no, it's insane. Yeah. He was in that fu mode, like with the record company. He's like, well, oh, I'm yeah. just gonna release stuff like every couple of months. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but oh, there was a Blur album. Man, there was. So many fucking albums on there, but it was a that, that was like a weird live album. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was. Uh, there's a Jimmy Jimmy Buffett album. I'm sure some of our parents, no names mentioned, are really into that. It's called Banana World. <laughs> so banana Wind. Okay. Ban- banana Wind. What the fuck does Banana Wind mean? Oh, turn on this. Filthy, turn off this filthy music. Put on the uh, there's actual there's a, uh, you know <laughs> reference. Jimmy Brian <laughs> Brian Adams called eighteen till I die. Brian Adams was forty eight at that time. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say he was nowhere near eighteen. Eighteen times two and a half at that time. Eighteen till I die. Um, uh, this year at Red Rocks, I just noticed that Brian Adams and Ryan Adams are playing <laughs> at Red Rocks uh, on the same week. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're both headlining shows. They should have um, put them on the same ticket as the Adams Brothers. I know. No. The Adams Family. <laughs> oh, the Adams Family, yeah. Yeah. yeah Tiger Milk, there you go, Dave. I'm, I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Um... Yeah, I think we I think we touched on yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that about wraps it up then. I'm a cultural infidel painting in the dark. I'm a cultural infidel singing in the park. Socrates, I bother see.